Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Is it that hit Netflix TV show or that global pandemic that's linked to a live animal market? Either way, wildlife trafficking is somehow a really big deal right now. Today on Parts for a Billion, we look at what Congress is going to do about this suddenly hot issue. Hello and welcome to Parts per Billion, the environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So we all know that the coronavirus pandemic is a big deal. That's uh, putting it mildly. And scientists believe that the pandemic started from a so-called wet market in China where live animals are sold. So dealing with wildlife trafficking is uh, a pretty big priority for a lot of people. Additionally, a lot of people have been watching a show on Netflix about wildlife trafficking called Tiger King. I certainly have. And uh, it has created a lot of momentum for this issue. Here to talk with us about what Congress might do as a result of all this momentum is Dean Scott. Dean, uh, you and uh, reporter Stephen Lee wrote a story about what's happening on Capitol Hill. And one of the things I got from your story is that the sale of live animals in the U.S. is way, way less regulated than I thought it would be. Um, Can you describe the regulatory scheme for this and just how many different groups and entities are responsible for regulating wildlife trafficking here in, in the states? Well, there's there's basically um, a tremendous, uh, I would call it a sort of Byzantine arrangement here between federal regulators, local and state regulators when it comes to the sale of a couple different things, exotic pets in, in one in one bucket. And then you have illicit or even illegal wildlife trafficking, which um, the Fish and Wildlife Service, working with the State Department and even internationally with Interpol, the international organization that sort of looks at a lot of, of illegal international efforts. And then when it comes to your markets, your the markets that you might see in some urban centers in the U.S. that mix let's say, the sale of live poultry um, that might have uh, seafood or live lobsters, uh, crustaceans, that tends to be in either the the regulatory area of the state or even the local health department. So uh, we even found that within the USDA, uh, there's actually different sections of the USDA that regulate things that go to market. For example, one one group at USDA regulates the welfare of animals that are sold and, and many of them later butchered. And then a different part of USDA 
uh, we, we sort of call, call it the cutlet regulators. They come in and regulate, you know, the things that come out of the meat factory. Um, so uh, what, we, what we found is that basically there's already a complication between the intersection between illicit wildlife trafficking and the so-called wet markets. And then there's further complication between all of the groups uh, within the U.S. that try to, to regulate the different components of those. Yeah, I mean, I, from your story, your, the story that you and Stephen wrote, I got the sense that it's just sort of almost a coincidence that this virus started in China uh, at this wet market, that, you know, the regulations in the U.S. are pretty lax and that, you know, it could have easily started here or elsewhere. I mean, is that what are some of the, the concerns that um, lawmakers that you talked to were expressing about the, the sale of wildlife here in the U.S.? Well, the conditions of, of the markets in China, and they're, and they're not just in China, um, some of the uh, pandemics that we have been focusing on in the last 20 years have or- originated there. Um, and these concerns came up earlier with the SARS virus. And when you think about it's not so much the seafood market. Um, we don't really consider our markets here in the U.S. wet markets, but, you know, a market with fish on ice um, yeah. that you might see. Um, those aren't as, as, as much of a concern in the sense that – or as long as they don't mix the, uh, the sale of mammals, um, the sale of bears, the sale of uh, exotic pets. Many of, many of these can be endangered, and in the U.S., you might think, well, is that really a concern? I mean, in the U.S., we don't see a lot of, of, of this trafficking on the streets or in markets. That may be true to some extent, but you do see the U.S. is one of the biggest traffickers of illicit wildlife in the world. And that's why we have pretty big, big sections of, of um, not just Fish and Wildlife Service, but enforcement arms um, of Fish and Wildlife Service and uh, State Department and these other groups working on those issues. And those are the kinds of things where, for example, you still see to this day the sale of, of rhino um, materials, ivory. Um, you don't have to go that far in some urban centers in the U.S. to find works of art, quote-unquote, that, that are made from that material. Well, that, that kind of leads me perfectly into the, the next question I wanted to ask you, which is that what is Congress doing about this? I mean, one of the things I got from your story is that a lot of key lawmakers who sit on very important committees are – this is on their radar and they're very concerned about it. But it sounds like the main thing that's going to come from this is that the Fish and Wildlife Service is going to get more money. Uh, their budget is going to be – increased. Uh, is that the sense that you get? And if so, by how much more money are they going to get? That's right. I, 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 think, uh, I think you're going to see a lot more interest in this. What you see with these big global events, or at least events that, that really sort of rock the economy or impact, impact health and safety, is you see congressional attention spike. And I think with any, any, any issue, and this is not to be cynical, but any issue um, that's as large as this with the pandemic, you're going to see a lot of parts moving on Capitol Hill to say, look, we have a piece of of the response to this pandemic. Um, What are we doing about it? And is this a chance uh, to to raise the profile of our issue? I think if you can make a good case that um, that you can make a good case that wildlife uh, trafficking 
is a concern that we all have, and it has to be part of a pandemic response, you can make a pretty good argument that that funding has to be increased. And I'd also say that you have a lot of folks in the conservation arena and a lot of the congressional representatives uh, uh, who, who basically have been pushing for this for a long time, working with a number of interesting sort of Republican voices, Lindsey Graham, but also um, other Republicans who have been reliable allies on conservation, but they also have a, a sort of second interest, which is they do see this as an opportunity to raise some of the issues that have been going on with China and our relationship with China. Wow, that that actually, that is really strange. People who both, are, you know, want to be conservationists and also tough on China, and uh, I guess they're teaming up. So we're going to take a quick break now, uh, but when we come back, we're going to talk about, of course, Tiger King. Uh, we can't avoid it, but stay with us. We'll be right back. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. So we're back and we're talking with Dean Scott about what is going to be happening on Capitol Hill with wildlife trafficking in the wake of the virus and in the wake of Tiger King. So let's get into it. Um, you know, the show is a big hit. I watched it. I can't say I loved watching it. I think I loved to hate to watch it. Um, but it's a big deal. People, a lot of people are talking about this. And this is the kind of thing that can really create momentum on Capitol Hill. Um, you know, you were talking about uh, agencies getting more money in their budgets, but do you think we'll see any um, standalone bills, policy changes uh, as a result of the pandemic or the, the attention around this TV show? Yeah, it's interesting. I find, you know, the interesting thing about this show is, number one, it came at a time to, you know, focusing on this issue of, of, of keeping big cats um, um, and I think kind of exposed whether whether you think that's um, interesting and fun or whether you think this raises really big concerns about um, about uh, p private citizens basically collecting big cats. And I think what's interesting is the timing of the release of that program on Netflix basically coinciding, not purposefully, but it just 
coincidentally happen to coincide with what we're seeing with this pandemic. What I d- think is unclear is whether the uh, result of, of the show, what the, the kinds of uh, concerns that it prompts, are necessarily going to be pushing for uh, Congress or for states to do something about it. I think there's a lot of uh, when I talk to people who have watched the show, when I watch the show, when you know, when I, I sort of t- uh, look at the reaction it's having in terms of its audience, some people think it's perfectly fine um, to 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 be able to have a sort of a an issue of conservative versus liberal government. Yeah, well, I mean, and even one of one of the scenes in the show itself was that some of the characters who are advocating for tiger breeding and, and uh, you know, who keep tigers were lobbying on Capitol Hill. They held uh, an event with Representative Don Young, um, an avid uh, uh, sportsman himself. Uh, so this is, uh, you know, an issue that has already been on Capitol Hill even before the show came out. Yeah. And and there's a federal bill that that came out of that, the Big Cat Public Safety Act to to, to stop um the, they call it cub petting, but essentially the development of tiger cubs into sort of pets, and then that drives a certain amount of breeding and ownership. Right. At the end of the day, you get pets in backyards, and I and I do think it's an issue that we're going to hear about on Capitol Hill. Part of this, you know, as always, you know, um, how many times when we're having a conversation about this, does it not come back to an election? And we have a big one coming up in 2020, and so we're going to have. You know, th- th- this is not beyond the realm of possibility to see uh, to see the Senate flip. I could see that I could see issues like this coming to the fore. And you know, when when you have a huge number of uh, of, of lawmakers, there were hundreds of lawmakers on this letter, um, senators and and members of the House, basically um, urging the the World Health Organization and other international groups to really put pressure on China to eliminate these wet markets the 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 wildlife component the illicit trafficking of wildlife and the sale of those being part of that push i think that's not going away i guess i hadn't thought about that until you you brought it up but you're you're totally right that that it's an election year you have a conservation angle and you have a tough on china angle it just seems like the political incentives are all pushing in one direction for both parties i mean it's that makes me think that there really is going to be a lot of action on this sometime this year. Yeah, and and, and although we have seen this issue before with wet markets and with um, pandemics, but nothing th- – those pandemics pale in comparison. Something is going to have to be done about um, that intersection in those markets, this trade of, of, of mammals and – and, and illicit wildlife being slaughtered or sold. I think we're going to see a lot of pressure here, too, in the U.S. You know, the U.S. Um, it, it d- does not certainly have the kinds of wet markets that China has. On the other hand, uh, on the other hand, we're not perfect either. And um, the 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 regu- regulators here are stretched thin. And there certainly is not a very cohesive approach to make sure that, you know, a local market is being looked at by local and state folks regularly. And then how those animals are treated is being addressed uh, at the federal level. That's not really happening. And I don't think anybody can really make the argument that it is. All right. That was Dean Scott uh, talking about uh, a story that he and Stephen Lee wrote on wildlife trafficking to read the story uh, or to just read about 
any uh, wildlife or environmental uh, news in general, go to our website, news.bloombergenvironment.com. Today's episode was produced by myself, along with Josh Block and Marissa Horn. Parts Rebellion was created by Rachel Daigle and Jessica Coombs. The music for Parts Rebellion today was A Message by Jazar and Upstate by Henning Schmitz. They were used under a Creative Commons license. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Taxes and accounting are complicated, but finding a good tax podcast shouldn't be. I'm Siri Belusu, and I'm Amanda Icone. Listen to Talking Tax, the podcast that breaks down all of these issues on a weekly basis. Every Thursday, Talking Tax will explain the latest issues for you, from what Congress is working on, to legal rulings, to the global digital tax debate. Download and subscribe to Talking Tax wherever you get your podcasts. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.